1: Welcome to The Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour One.
0: Hello America, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. It is The Eric Erickson Show Nationwide, the phone number 877 The amount of hate mail that I got after saying after Iowa that it meant the primary was over and Trump was going to be the nominee, well, guess what? The primary's over. Trump's going to be the nominee. DeSantis is out. It is uh, Trump versus Haley in New Hampshire. If the New Hampshire polling average is as good as the Iowa polling average, Trump's going to win. And I, I don't doubt that it is. Here's Desantis's withdrawal. Yesterday came after some media outlets insisted he was not going to drop out of the race. Literally one guy from Fox Business tweeted, Sources tell me DeSantis is staying in for the long haul. And about 30 minutes later, this.
1: Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee And I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over.
0: That's Ron DeSantis suspending his campaign. Uh, This is Nikki Haley responding.
1: We just heard that Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the race. And I want to say to Ron, he ran a great race. He's been a good governor, and we wish him well. Having said that, it's now one Zella and one lady
0: left. May the best woman win, she goes on to say. Here's Donald Trump.
1: Wait till you see what happens. We're going to win this election. We're going to have a great border. We're going to have more energy than you've ever had. And we're never going back. So if you want a losing candidate who puts America last, vote for Nikki Haley. But if you want a president who puts America first and did it successfully for four years, you know, I'm the only. Did you ever read the stat that I'm the first president that didn't go into and start a war? That's Donald Trump's
0: response, you got all three of them. You know who's else throwing herself into this mix is is Judge Judy. That's right, Judge Judy has come out for Nikki Haley, but she makes a point about Joe Biden that everybody should take to heart.
1: I will say that she had an interesting supporter on the trail with her, Judge Judy. She flew up from uh, Florida and uh, she has only endorsed one person, political person ever in her life
0: before, and that was Michael Bloomberg. And I asked her, Why now and why Nikki
1: Haley? Here's what she said. Joe Biden is now older. I'm not gonna get into with you what everybody talks about with regard to his cognitive ability, but I know he's my age. Mm -hmm. I run a big, and I said in my article I run a big business. I'm the matriarch of a family of 20 plus. I make decisions that affect hundreds of people every day. I need a nap in the afternoon. So does Joe Biden. Probably
0: two. That's Judge Judy. He needs a nap. Probably two. He's unfit. She's not going to get into it. I don't think it matters. Here's the state of play for everybody. Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. Uh, I have thoughts on DeSantis, and I might as well give them to you. And I don't want to make friends of mine mad. I've kept my mouth largely shut in assessing it out of respect for the campaign until DeSantis got out. So let, let me just tell you my view of the campaign. And it began before the campaign begun. I don't know that DeSantis, the moment Trump was indicted, could have done anything differently. But had DeSantis chosen to get into the race when it was obvious he was in the race, he probably would be faring differently than he is now. I think it was a mistake for Ron DeSantis to wait. Just go back to example for for the year 2000. George W. Bush was in a similar situation. He wanted to wait for the Texas legislature to wrap up its work before he got in. But he came out and said he was going to form an exploratory committee and, and uh, was thinking about running. And as the Texas legislature wound down, he showed up and announced that, that he really was running. And in the meantime, he had sure gets out there defending him. He could spend some money. Uh, he could make it. He could run a presidential campaign while still making sure that he was the governor of Texas first. DeSantis didn't do any of that, and it was a strategic mistake. The man has had more money, and this is a true number. DeSantis had more money spent against him than all other candidates combined. More money attacked Ron DeSantis than all the other candidates combined. In fact, more money attacked Ron DeSantis than used to promote any of the other candidates combined. It was a sheer avalanche of money, made real easy because everybody knew he was going to run and he didn't get into the race, and so he didn't respond. And he allowed them to define him for a segment of the population early. And then what did he do coming in? He launched it on Twitter on a site that crashed. He killed the very beginning of his campaign. Now, I've got friends who, to this day, will insist that was not a fatal mistake. Yeah, it was a fatal mistake out of the gate. You know, I wrote a piece then, and it was just so petty of me, I deleted it. But I wrote a piece then uh, to timestamp that day saying, here's why DeSantis lost. And it wasn't that he started on Twitter, but that was indicative of the style of campaign he wanted to run. He wanted to run a campaign unlike any campaign ever done before. And the reason people run campaigns the way they run campaigns is because it works. Ron DeSantis dragging it out when everyone knew he was running instead of doing an exploratory committee like Bush did, allowed others to pour money in to attack him and define him before he could even chance to respond. And then on the day he decides to launch his campaign, he cedes control to Elon Musk on an unstable platform that collapses. And the initial story about DeSantis' campaign is its failure to launch because he did it with Elon Musk and and, uh, what's his name from uh, Elon's friend, their Russia sympathizers. He does it on Twitter. The whole thing is unstable, and all the DeSantis supporters are like, oh, he answered policy questions. Nobody cares about that crap. Nobody cares about Ron DeSantis' ability to give you a 25-point plan on some esoteric piece of federal policy. They care about what his message is. And honestly, I don't know that he had one other than I'm Trump but not. And it turns out the American people on the Republican side want Donald Trump, not Trump-like. And I don't mean that disparagingly of DeSantis. I just, like, I had him on my program a couple of times, and I kept pushing him on his economic message. And his economic message was always, well, I cut toll fees for people in Florida. He said that. In multiple interviews on this very program, when I asked him, what does he want the American people to know about his economic vision? It's he cut the toll in Florida. Most Americans don't have toll roads, let alone Florida. Make America Florida wasn't any more compelling than Gavin Newsom's Make America California. People in Iowa like Iowa. They're there by choice. That was the frustrating thing I had. His uh, uh, The bottom line here on the DeSantis campaign to me is that it felt, and it, just so you understand, I have run political, and no, I've never run a presidential campaign, but I have run congressional campaigns. I've run statewide races. I've run state legislative races. I've run local races. They're all largely operate the same, just at scale. A presidential election is statewide elections in 50 different states trying to find messages to persuade people in at least 15 states because of the swing states in your core base. De- Desantis's campaign struck me the entire time as a series of tactics without an overarching strategy. You have to have an overarching strategy and message, and I just don't know what his overarching message and strategy is with donald trump what is it make america great again everybody knows donald trump every speech he's going to make america great again he says that in almost every speech what was donald what was Ron DeSantis's? that's kind of the problem the desantis campaign decided to think outside the box and how they structured their campaign they relied heavily on never back down Uh, They funded it aggressively. The Super PAC was going to build the ground game. Well, the ground game needs a message to sell. They never got it from the campaign. It changed regularly. It was an extremely online campaign, hence the launch on Twitter. Uh, There were problems along the way. Now, for those of you who are yelling at me, why do you say something? Oh, I said a lot behind the scenes. I wasn't going to drag the candidate. I wrote some about it. I said some here. I said a lot behind the scenes. But. The campaign just never took off. And a lot of people say that's the candidate. And, and yeah, to, to the extent the candidate owns it, the candidate has to own it. It is the candidate's campaign. But also, concurrently, when you're surrounded by brilliant strategists, you should get your strategy right. And I don't know that he ever did. I don't think Nikki Haley's Haley Mary pass, she's going to throw try to throw a Hail Mary in New Hampshire today. I don't think it's going to work. But Haley went the distance. She had an entire strategy mapped out. She's had a message about the future, about a woman in charge needing an accountant in the White House. And I don't think it'll work for her. And again, I don't know that anything could change. The bulk of the Republican Party wants Trump versus Biden 2.0. Much of the party feels like 2020 was stolen. They want to see if they can stop the steal this time. But for all the ridicule that Haley got, what she did that allowed her to last longer than Ron DeSantis is not try to be Trump without Trump, but to try to be her own person. It'll come to a stop after tomorrow. I don't think there are any surprises. You're going to find the media trying very, very hard to build suspense and excitement. I don't really think that there is any at this point i think donald trump is going to be the nominee for better or worse and and i do mean for better or worse donald trump is someone who will galvanize a lot of the republican party who can inspire and excite them but he can also incite a lot of democrats to mobilize their turnout and if you pay attention to the focus groups that are out there to the polling data that's out there to what the campaigns themselves are finding there is a portion of the country that is just committed to the idea that donald trump won't be the republican nominee And when they wake up to it, they may not like it. We don't know how that's going to play out. Everyone says the polling is wrong. The polling has been pretty good so far. It's gotten Iowa right. I think it's going to get New Hampshire right. And if so, you also need to pay attention to the polling of those who voted in 2020 who aren't happy uh, with Trump. And they haven't changed their minds. That could play to Biden's advantage. However, there's a lot that can play to Donald Trump's advantage as well coming into 2024. This is going to be a close race. They've been very close races for the past number of years. Maximizing your turnout and changing independence to be your supporters is gonna be big for both candidates. And the thing that Donald Trump has going for him that the Democrats simply refuse to appreciate is that until COVID hit, and it was COVID, it wasn't Trump. Until COVID hit, Americans didn't have inflation and crime waves and a bad economy. And if he can remind people of how good it was and everyone who's voting will have lived during that era, Donald Trump's got a winning message. It is foolish for anyone, anyone to think Donald Trump cannot win this race. Anyone who tells you he can't win has not been paying attention to the past eight years. In 2016, I really didn't think he could win. I learned my lesson and decided I needed to figure out what everybody was saying outside of my own bubble. And outside of your bubble, those of you on the right, you need to understand there's a lot of angst about Trump among independent voters and even some Republicans, but if you Democrats, you need to understand for all these people who have anxiety about Trump, they have hard economic times under Joe Biden. So the question is which will win out for the voters and pocketbook tends to win. Hello, my friends, it's Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am delighted to have you. Tim Scott is engaged. Congratulations, Tim Scott. He would be an intriguing vice presidential pick for Donald Trump, Uh, a U.S. senator who's got good foreign policy. He was more fired up about endorsing Donald Trump than he seemed to be about his own campaign, which was kind of interesting. He'd be an intriguing pick. Uh, The the prevailing consensus wisdom on Trump right now is Elise Stefanik. I could not get excited about her. You know, the irony here is for all the people uh, angry at the idea of Nikki Haley being the vice presidential pick for Trump, Nikki Haley is to the right of Elise Stefanik on pretty much every issue. If you think Nikki Haley's a squish, you should check out Elise Stefanik's voting record. She's one of the most liberal Republicans in the House of Representatives. Um, she's playing it right. She's talking about the the January six hostages, things like that. She clearly wants to be the vice presidential pick for Trump, but uh, she would be the most. I mean, she's to the left of like the Bushes on everything. I mean, to the left of uh, Nikki Haley on stuff. I, I I think Trump probably you know pro lifers a little bit perturbed with some of his statements lately. He's going to need to find some conservative to calm them down unless he expects people to fall in line. And I just don't know that everyone's going to fall in line. I want to talk about that when we come back. Um, This idea that people need to bend knees or fall in line as opposed to being Americans and making up their own mind and and what the campaigns are going to have to do about it. Democrat and Republican both. The idea that you must be loyal to one of these guys, um, it's what the core supporters will make. But they at least need to understand what a whole lot of Americans out there think who aren't happy with it, and you got to persuade them as opposed to bully them. We'll discuss that when we come back. Right now, I got to tell you, with a lot of things going on in 2024, so many social media trends, so many cool gadgets going to be released. Have you seen the um, Consumer Electronics Show? You, you know, it, it's it's not a cool gadget, but it's actually really cool. You get up to 89% off post office and UPS services by using stamps.com. They've been around for over 25 years, saving small businesses money. It's like having your own personal post office. Wherever you are, all you need is your computer and a printer. You can even use your mobile device. Stamps.com saves you up to 89% off post office and UPS rates to help your bottom line. You can get labels and print. You can do everything you need from their supply store. They've been doing it for 25 years. I've been a member for 20 years when I send out packages. I use stamps.com and have for, man, when I left my law firm and and needed options, stamps.com was around for me. Right now, you can sign up with promo code ERIC for a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a free digital scale. There is no long-term commitment, y'all. There's no contracts you got to sign. You go to stamps.com, click the mic on the top of the page. Then you put in eric e-r-i-c-k get a four-week trial free postage and a digital scale stamps.com eric thanks to stamps.com for sponsoring the show hello welcome it is eric erickson here across the united states of america the phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program now you should text the word DATA, D-A-T-A, to 33777 and order my new book. Comes out in a couple of months. Pre-ordering is available. Before I move on to any other subject, I want to take Sharon's phone call here. Sharon, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm really good. How are you?
0: Great. What's going on?
1: Uh, I've got a question. What happens, uh, say it's August or
0: September
1: of this year, uh, months before the election, and for whatever reason, Joe Biden is unable to run. Who would be the
0: nominee? Oh, good question. Okay, so here's how it works legally. Um, whether or not we follow the law is a different matter, but legally, um, yeah. if okay, so you ha- everybody has to understand, Kamala Harris is not running for anything, so she gets no nominating votes. If Joe Biden steps aside before Kamala Harris is confirmed as the running mate at the Democratic National Convention, it's Kitty Bar of the door, it's an open convention. They get to pick uh the delegates at the Democratic National Convention get to pick who they want to be the nominee. And they can pick anyone. Um, I would look towards Kentucky to Andy Bashir. Uh, He's a Democrat who won a Republican state with Republican backing. He's more moderate than Gavin Newsom, but he's right on all the Democratic issues from abortion and and woke stuff, but seems to be more moderate than Newsom. I would look at him. Uh, If, however, Kamala Harris has been confirmed, so if Biden doesn't drop out until after Wednesday night of the Democratic convention, that's when the VP is confirmed, then they're stuck with Kamala Harris because under the rules— Harris, um, by being the vice presidential nominee, would become the presidential nominee if Biden drops out. Uh Ah, well, that's sort of good news. Yeah, And and by the way, so this works the same way for the GOP. If something happens to Trump. Um, if, uh, before the Wednesday of the convention, Wednesday night of the convention, he's no longer the nominee, then it's an open convention. But if he picks a vice presidential nominee and they're confirmed that Wednesday night of the Republican convention, then that person becomes the Republican nominee. Say it works the same way for both parties.
1: Ah, well, thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Sharon did what callers are supposed to do and make me look good and knowledgeable. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, uh, what, once the vice presidential nominees are picked for the candidates, if something happens to the to the candidate, then the vice presidential nominee becomes the candidate. But if something happens to the candidate before the convention, well, the vice presidential nominee is is a hypothetical until then. So uh, Kamala Harris arguably has the claim as the current vice president uh, and as Joe Biden's uh, intended running mate. But the Democratic National Committee is not bound by it, and you have to keep in mind. Kamala Harris is the least popular national politician in America. I mean, for however bad Joe Biden's polling is, Kamala Harris's is worse. It's remarkable. Now, I want to move on. Over the next number of weeks, you're going to hear lots of unity talk that that re- people need to fall in line. People need to bend the knee, whatever. There's going to be all sorts of pressure tactics implode, imposed on people. On the right, and there will be on the left as well with this, uh, the Dean Phillips surrogacies and the Robert Kennedy juniors and all that. Everybody's going to want you to fall in line, bend the knee. First of all, I want to tell you, you're an American. You don't have to bend a knee or fall in line. You get to vote however you want to vote. That being said, it's going to be the Republican or the Democrat. Now, I, I get in trouble for saying, talking about third parties, because people think I want one. I, I don't want a third party. I just want you to be mindful of the fact a lot of people do, and they don't want Robert Kennedy. They, they want, a, like, a mansion romney or romney mansion. That's the one that, that gives the media priapism to think about. I, I think as an academic exercise, it'd be fascinating to see what they do, but they wouldn't win. Don't, don't think that a third party is going to win in this country. They may be where people go for a protest vote. Uh, the reality is it's going to be Biden or it's going to be Trump or whoever the Republican and Democratic nominees may actually be, but I think it's going to be one of them. At least try to understand outside of your bubble, there are a lot of people who are unhappy with the Republican and Democratic parties right now for what they're doing. The polling was fairly accurate in Iowa, and I believe it's going to be fairly accurate in New Hampshire. And what comes up time and again is that the non-Republican, non-Democratic voter, the general election-only voter, the people who don't care about the primaries, they're really unhappy. So the point becomes this. When Ron DeSantis dropped out yesterday, he was immediately attacked by Turning Point USA's Charlie Kirk and by that crazy woman, Laura Loomer, and other Trump supporters. A lot of them attacked DeSantis. When he gets out of the race, they kick him when he's down. It's one thing for the left to do it. Gavin Newsom did it, and others. It's another thing for Trump surrogates to do it, Trump supporters, prominent Trump supporters to do it. This is going to be a very close race. And if you're a supporter of Donald Trump or a supporter of Joe Biden, insulting and attacking the people you need as part of your coalition is not a smart thing. If you're a Republican who thinks 2020 was stolen, it's even a dumber thing for you to do because if it ain't close, they can't cheat. So you need the widest possible margin to overcome efforts to steal the election or it's going to be stolen from you if you believe it's stolen. Now, if if you don't believe it's stolen, if you really do believe reality that it wasn't stolen, well, then it was a 30-some-odd thousand, 40,000-vote margin in the Electoral College And those 30,000, 40,000 people, do you want to get them mad at your candidate and so they stay home? Or do you want to try to find ways to persuade them your guy is right? Do you want to find a way to bring people to your fold? I would submit to you that um, Pete on DeSantis, after he gets out of the race, by prominent Trump people isn't a good way to bring the DeSantis people to the fold. Don't say you don't need them when in 2020, the race was lost by 30 some odd thousand votes nationwide. Maybe 40,000 votes. It was a very close election, less than I think 50,000 votes separated Biden and Trump. And if you say it was stolen again, if you believe that 2020 was stolen, then you need the largest margin possible to avoid theft this time. Because if it ain't close, it's real hard for them to cheat. So you, the Trump supporter, and you, the Biden supporter, got to find ways to convince people to come to your side. Because at this point, I don't think the bullying and the cajoling and the badgering and the heckling and the pressure is going to work. I've got, for example, there's a guy on Twitter who's very, very mad at me saying, you, you can choose to be high-minded or, or you can choose to get in line and fight because the Constitution's under threat. It's not my job. My job is to tell you what's going on and give you the information so you can decide. I, I am not going to bully Hector or or pressure anybody to vote for any candidate. I will tell you that it's going to be Trump or Biden, and you're going to have to pick but I'm not going to bully you and cajole you like so many people are wont to do on social media and elsewhere. The other thing I will tell you is that this is not the most consequential election in the nation and that uh, the nation is destroyed if your guy loses. I used to tell people that, and I found myself every election saying the same thing, and it never came to be. Uh, in 2020, we were told that it was uh, the last election to save America, And if you didn't vote, you well, America was ruined. And now they're saying the same thing this time. But I thought it was last time. So is America either lost or is it not? Um, If you keep telling people that this is the last election to get it right, at at some point, people finally need to realize that, no, that's not true. Uh, America, whoever wins in 2024, the country will still be here. You may not like the way it goes policy-wise, but the country's going to be here. So instead of scaring people maybe give people a positive message for the future. With Biden, his message is pretty straightforward. Um, I'm not Donald Trump. I won't give you anxiety. You may not like me, but actually, the economy's headed in the right direction. Uh, We've turned the corner, and we're not gonna have World War III started on social media. I don't know that that works very well given the last four years, given people don't like the economy. With Donald Trump, his message can be pretty straightforward as well. Uh, He will battle the wokes and keep boys from your girls' locker room and sports. And the economy was really good when Donald Trump was president, unlike Joe Biden. And I'm not on social media anymore, so I won't give you anxiety about my tweets. The end. He's got a good message. And as people still don't like the economy, uh, Donald Trump's got a great message of, hey, y'all all remember when I was president, you might not have liked me, but you loved my economy. The the heckling, cajoling, you've got to fall in line, you got to bend the knee, you you got to support. I, I I Y'all, I have literally never been that guy. I mean, if you've listened to me since I started on radio in what, 2000, January 11th of 2011, or read me at Red State going back to, August of 2004. I have never been the fall in line, bend the knee, uh, march whether you like it or not. And I, I'm I'm not going to do that. I, I certainly have my biases. I was an elected Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm an evangelical Christian. But my job is to give you the information so you can make up your own mind, not tell you how to think or how to vote. I will tell you this though that if you're a supporter of one of these candidates and you're just deciding that you're gonna heckle and browbeat the snot out of people, you're probably gonna find a lot of people who don't wanna vote for you. And if the election is very close, you yourself could be sacrificing the margins for your side. You need to represent your candidates well. As to the rest of you who don't like either candidate, oh, I feel your pain, not a fan. At the same time, It'll be a Republican or a Democrat. You may decide the stewardship of your vote is to leave it blank and hope that enough other people leave it blank that the parties realize we got a problem, we got too many people sitting on the sidelines because our candidates alienate them. That's your choice. It's your choice. My choice is to provide you the clearest view I can of the candidates and their policy differences. And also, while everybody is so obsessed about the presidential election, to remind you that there's a whole world out there of other things happening. And oftentimes what happens is you get distracted by the presidential race and you forget all the other races, the congressional and Senate races, and you forget all the other news of the day. I will say this in closing, however, it is gonna be a close election The polling shows if Trump is convicted of one of these crimes, that it will not be close. It will be decisive for Biden. I don't know that I really believe any of these cases will come to trial this year. I don't know, for example, I mean, the the Fawney Willis case should be thrown out of court. Uh, The Alvin Bragg case, I think, should be thrown out of court. That leaves the two Jack Smith cases. I think the uh, judges are both hinting that it's going to be more prolonged and dragged out than what Jack Smith wants. Donald Trump may get elected and, and choose to pardon himself, and that'll be challenged in and of itself, or or abandon the prosecutions as he becomes president. All those things are possible. If the voters vote for Donald Trump, the Democrats are going to be hard-pressed to, to maintain he can't get rid of those prosecutions. At the end of the day, however, the voters will vote in November. And either the Democrat or the Republican will be elected president of the United States. And you will have to choose where you vote, how you stand and what position you have. But I will just tell you, if you're a Trump supporter or you're a Biden supporter, harassing, belittling and attacking the people who could be in your coalition is probably not the best way to build a coalition in narrow margins to win the election. And that is your choice of how you wanna proceed. As for me, well, I hate everybody to begin with. <laughs> I, I, I intend to just tell you what I think, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, that's fine. If you do like it, that's fine. But I'll just call them as I see them, as I always have done. But this is gonna be Biden versus Trump unless something unforeseen happens. And by the way, Something unforeseen could happen. We just don't know. All right. Now I can move on to other things, I think. I've I've said my piece on that. Um, But y'all can stop adding me on social media. If if you think I'm going to fall in line and just give you party talking points, you have literally never listened to this program before. Because that's not what I do. Now, one of the great groups out there that also doesn't fall in line, that just tells you the truth, is Hillsdale College. Hillsdale? Hillsdale? Actually teaches you honestly and ethically, I should say, about the Constitution. Because Larry arnd the president of Hillsdale College, is a passionate believer of the Constitution. If you've never taken one of their free online courses about the Constitution, you should. And you can get a free pocket constitution at Ericforhillsdale.com. But more than that, this year on this program, Hillsdale College has decided to start airing these one-minute constitution moments. You can go to ericforhillsdale.com and listen to them and learn a little bit about the Constitution on the way. You can even take the free online Hillsdale courses. They're so good. The Constitution one is just fantastic. Um, You learn in-depth about the Constitution, why it's not actually three co-equal branches of government, that Congress is supposed to be uh, the preeminent branch of government. They, They set the record straight on all the myths you've learned. They give you the reality. It is ericforhillsdale.com. Get your free pocket Constitution. Listen to the Constitution Minutes. You can even send them to your friends who are ignorant about the Constitution and make them wise about our Constitutional Republic. ericforhillsdale.com. This time of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, expanding, those are the deals they do. If you need $250,000 or more, reach out to them. Any of you nationwide, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're fit for you, you for them. They love to help businesses grow. Uh, This is a great question, I think, from Sam here. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hi, Eric. Uh, Thanks for taking the call. Sure. What's going on? Uh, My question, well, first of all, congratulations on your show. I've been listening to you for many years in the Atlanta area. So uh, congratulations on being uh, nationwide now. Thank you very much. Uh, My question is about a a variation on the third-party discussion that always comes up. It doesn't seem like it would be viable for just the Republicans to split. It uh, is more likely that if, if there is a possibility, either there needs to be a true split, both the Democrats and the Republicans, to create four parties. I was just wondering if you ever had any thoughts on that.
0: Well, uh, yeah, yeah. So here, here's the, the 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 thinking of the guys who like to fund third parties that. Um, you can pull a coalition enough away of Republicans and Democrats for one third party. Um, if you have multiple third parties, they, they reduce each other's streaks so none of them are viable. To begin with, it is extremely hard to get a third party on the ballot. You have to do signature collections in the states with rules compliance. You have the Republicans and Democrats work together to try to stop you. I mean, honestly, the only thing Republicans and Democrats hate more than each other is third parties. And they usually work together to eliminate third parties from ballot access. Ross Perot spent a whole lot of money in 1992 to get ballot access, uh, last major third party effort to do so. There are parties like the Libertarian Party and the Green Party that have ballot access, but they tend to be run by nut jobs uh, who will prevent any reasonable person from being their nominee. So you got to go the third party route, and it's extremely hard to do. Um, if you wanted a third party in this country, I wouldn't particularly care for it, but it would be a third party that is socially conservative and fiscally liberal. But the people who fund third parties tend to be fiscally conservative and socially liberal, so they don't fund those sorts of third parties. But that's the only third party that would be viable in this country is one that's socially conservative, getting black and Hispanic voters and blue-collar white voters in, and fiscally liberal and char- in favor of big government and spending and That would work, and that'll never happen because the people who foot the bill for third parties are opposed to social conservatives and fiscal liberals. They're exactly opposite, so that's why they never work.